Hey, everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I am your host, Joseph James, and today we have an amazing gentleman that's going to come on and going to talk to you about an unshakable mindset. He's gone through the hell in his own life, but has been able to come out not only just on top of life, but you know, living the legacy that he is choosing to live by having an unshakable and unbreakable uh, spirit. And I just want to welcome you guys to the show and let you guys hear firsthand from the man, Mr. Kenneth. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on, Joe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, purpose through pain. You, you, you know, yeah. we all go through it, man. Um, and you've been through your fair share of, of things in life. Yeah. Um, take us back Kenneth, to man to just where you know, the pain that you've experienced in life, but also just where did this unshakable mindset come from for you? Yeah, yeah. I think the unshakable mindset started when I was, um, the seed was planted when I was five. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go that far back. I'm, I'm 38. I'll be 39 this year. So it, it goes back to when I was five years old. My mom, um, she was, uh, she's a great leader. You know, my father as well, too. My father's in the military. My mom, uh, was a ministry of assistant. And um, when I was younger, I always tell the story where my uh, my mom taught me how to make my first batch of eggs when I was five years old, right? And by the time I got the opportunity to uh, to master it, I said, mom, can I make my own eggs? She said, yeah, make your sister some too. <laughs> I said, all right, cool. And then, uh, you know, next I wanted to learn how to make pancakes. Mom, can I make my own pancakes? You know, she said, she'll teach me how to make pancakes. And when I mastered that, and I said, okay, I make my own pancakes by myself. She said, yeah, make your sister some too. And then finally, after that, I learned how to make French toast and, you know, the same deal. Mom, can I make my own French toast? She said, yeah, make your sister some too. And after a while, my like, mom, can I, you know, why do I have to keep making, you know, stuff for Desiree, right? Why do I have to keep making stuff for her? She said, well, Kenny, at some point in time, you know, all you're going to have is each other. So you're going to have to learn how to lead. There are some things that are going to happen in life and you're going to have to learn how to protect, you know, protect people. And you're going to have to learn how to protect your loved ones. And when you serve them, you know, that is uh, essentially getting you geared up for whatever it is to come, whatever you're going to face. By the time I was 10 years old, my mom and my dad, um, their jobs took them away from the home. My mom, her job took her away to St. Louis, Missouri. My dad took him to Ohio and South Carolina. And at the same time, he was care caring for my grandparents at the time who were, um, you know, up in age. So uh, if, if, if they had two choices, either they stay, either we stay here in Jersey, right? Um, and we get someone to watch the kids while we're away, or we uh, take them with us and then they have to travel and leave the foundation of what we've already built. My parents chose to keep me and my sister here in Jersey, uh, where my grandfather or my cousin or somebody like that will watch us. But, um, you know, I would see my parents every two to three weeks. And, you know, for a kid at 10 years old, you seeing your parents every two to three weeks, it's like, man, you know, a lot of kids go through that now because they live in, you know, um, broken homes or separate households, single family homes and things of that nature. This is a totally different type of situation where I didn't have a single family home. Both of my parents had to, you know, go work to make ends meet to make sure that we had a home to stay in. Um, so a lot of the things that I learned picking my sister up from school, walking, walking her from the bus stop and, you know, in the morning, you know, at this time, obviously there was no social media, there was no phones, there was none of that. You had to really rely on the, the term of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child type of mentality. So this came from, um, my, my unshakable mindset came from that. I was already tested from the beginning. Uh, learning with my sister and throughout life, you know, you kind of go through some other trials and tribulations and things in that nature. So I just, I'll start it there. That's kind of like where the unshakable mindset really started. Wow, man. That's, uh, it's, it's neat to look back and, and see, you know, to be able to be raised in a home that your mom had that influence, your mom and dad had that influence, you know, because yeah. not everybody has that opportunity, you know, um, yeah. influences uh, can be very negative one, you know, and even, for me, like I was born and raised in a faith-based family, but yet my dad was still verbally and physically abusive, you know, mm. and I, you know, my mindset, it, you, you couldn't cry. So you had to become tough. You had to become mm. hard, so to say, you know, but it also got to the point that 
because of just the stern background and the strict background is I was always seeking approval. Mm -hmm. So in certain areas of my life, yeah, man, I was tough as nails, had that unshakable mindset, right? But then yeah. other areas, man, I was weak as can be. The, the, mm. you know? And it's, it's, it's neat to hear that coming from you that even at a young age that your mom was instilling those things, your mom and dad was right. instilling those things. And of course, we both know by life's experiences that we're going, pain is inevitable, right? We, there's yeah. things that it's we go happen. through that we, that we cause ourselves, but then there's also things that are completely out of our control and we can't choose our family, <laughs> you know, we can't no. <laughs> choose who we were born into, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, just being able to, to see that and, and, and do that from your perspective, mm -hmm. um, you know, how did that carry you on from that five, that seven, that 10 years of age? How did that continue yeah. to carry you on even living in a, in a split home, so to say, you know, because your parents being in two different uh, places, you know, how did that continue on for life and where did, have you seen it to be the most impactful for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I noticed that, um, when I got to high school, it really hit hard, um, in driver's ed, actually, um, drivers, I had the, the, my driver's ed teacher was also my Spanish teacher, Mr. Evans. And he said this thing and it, it all started to make sense at this point, because when you become a teenager, you kind of like start to make sense of things and you, you get to understand why things are the way that they are. And he said, someone was, someone said, uh, well, Mr. Evans, that's not fair. And he said, life's not fair. It's a jungle out there. Dog eat dog, a real rat race. Fair is what you pay to ride the bus. Mm. And at that moment, I said, man, I've stuck with that term all these years, you know, 20 something years later, where you know what? Life is not going to be fair for everybody. Not everybody is born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Not everybody is born with a trust fund. Not everybody is born into money. Not everybody is born, you know, with both parents. Not everybody, it, it just doesn't happen that way. Unfortunately, there are all different types of circumstances that we face. The question is, is how do we face them and what are we going to do? How are we going to respond? The reality is, is that we're not in control of those things, but we are in charge, right? We're in charge of how we respond. We're in charge of how we react. We're in charge of how we move. So I think my upbringing and seeing my, seeing my parents and seeing how they even being great parents from a distance um, was, you know, amazing. You know, like, I, like my, my mom and dad were straight blue collar from North New Jersey, East Orange, New Jersey. I mean, from the gutter and made it out to give me a life where, hey, it wasn't like, you know, we didn't have a mansion. We didn't have these things. But I did have an opportunity and they put me and they worked hard to give me an, a better opportunity um, and put me in a better position than being in North New Jersey, being in the inner city uh, versus, you know, my, my counterparts. So I think that it played a huge role because by the time I was, uh, you know, 16, 17 years old, I was already working. I was already having had a job. My first job was at ShopRite. I was very responsible with, with, with that stuff. And, um, and then I had my first state job at 18 years old working on the turnpike, you know, 18 years old. That, that just doesn't really happen. I'm 18 years old. I'm a senior in high school and I'm working on, on the New Jersey turnpike, making pretty decent money, more money than, you know, my, uh, my, my, my classmates were at the time and where they're getting ready to go off to college and stuff like that. I, you know, I started to develop this entrepreneurial spirit that, I wanted to help people in, a, in another way. And I think that the service that my mother and my father did instilled that into me by me starting with my sister and helping her first. And then that trickled into other things down the line where, you know, and we'll talk about it. I, I got into dance and that was my, my major career for, um, for a really long time. Wow. Wow. It's neat. You know, um, uh, somebody asked me one time, they're like, Joseph, you know, when I, we were at a speaking event and I was... Uh -huh. I was not speaking. I was, I was helping set up chairs. I was helping people on and off the stage. I was doing mm -hmm. a lot of the behind the scenes work that most people don't pay attention to. Right. And the gentleman walked up to me and he says, man, he says, where did you learn how to serve? Mm. And I said, my mom, mm -hmm. you know, and like what you're saying, they're serving your sister. You, you, you know, it, it starts. Cause I mean, you know, sharing my faith here is, is, you know, the word of God says, 
if you're faithful over the few things, over the small yes. things, I'll make you what? Leader. Leader. Mm-hmm. Over the big things, you over know? Over the big things, and, yeah. And we don't realize sometimes what God sees as small, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it is the taking care of yourself. It is taking care of your family. It is taking yeah. care of, you, you know, your sister, your mom and dad, things like that. That Because if he can't entrust us with that, how is he going to entrust us with yeah. a hundred other people? Exactly. You know, yeah. my, my grandfather um, was one of my biggest inspirations. Um, and he was the server of all servers that I knew. Like this guy would get up four or five o'clock in the morning, make, make us all, make all the grandkids breakfast. I got a pretty huge family. So, you know, we would make us all breakfast, lunch and dinner. I mean, this guy was like a machine. And just to see his level of service, and then he would get up, he would he would make us breakfast, then go to the church, serve at the church at the eight o'clock service, come back, get us, go to the next service, right? Bring us back home while my grandmother or whoever is 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 as doing the next meal. Uh, he would then go out to the sick and shut in, and he would then serve communion to you know all the elderly. And, 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 and everyone in that nature, then come back and uh and be able to help serve and finish off with dinner with the rest of the family. Wow. Like, man, this, this guy, it, it, it didn't matter uh what it was. If you needed it and he had it, you was going to get it. And I think that my my spirit of, of service in, um, in being, you know, just a great leader um, stems from him as well, too. And having that in me at a very, very young age and being able to see that firsthand. And I think that that's the, the, the key thing here is that what I want people to understand is that examples are everything, right? And having a visual of something that is going to be able to catapult you and take you to the next level in life is, is everything that you, you need to be successful. I think that, you know, a lot of us, I mean, we're human beings, you know, it, it's kind of hard for every single person to learn verbally versus being shown exactly what to do because the best practice is action. So when we actually, you know, put things into action, we become more uh, inclined and in tune on how we're going to move about our day, move about our week, um, how we communicate with other people. Um, all those are actionable things that have to happen in order for us to get to the next level. I mean, your top executive CEO probably doesn't become that unless they took some form of action. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, man. And I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, if we, if we can sit there and look back at life, you know, if we can actually Mm. take a, um, you know, take a step back and, and get past all the, you know, the trauma or the things that we've gone through as, as, Mm. as children, right. And look at what examples our parents were really showing us, Yeah, you know, or even grandparents, especially in your case, you know, um, for me, I remember not even necessarily on the servant side, but I remember being at my grandparents' house and watching TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, and watching the old gospel reunions mm. and singing, you know, those songs as much as some of them I didn't like. You know, it wasn't my yeah, style yeah, yeah. of music at that time. But ultimately, that was another way of them serving, right? Is yeah. by impartation, you know, and like you said about the action. You know, it's the action that or the example that you said, you know, it's that example of my grandparents doing that for not only my parents, but my for myself. It's also something that I even do, uh, you know, as an adult and as a as a father to three children. You know, I remember growing up and going to school and during our trip to school, mom would always pray with us. And that's something mm. that I do on the way to school every morning with yeah. my kids, you know, yeah. and it's ultimately by the example, like what you're talking about, it's also the impartation. Yes. You know, yeah. and going back to kind of putting that into the servants aspect of is, is look at King David in the Bible. Absolutely. The greatest Kings of all of Israel started yeah. how? By yeah. serving. serving, serving, serving his brothers. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I don't know how we got t- turned on that side of the topic of it's saying, all good, man. man. It's it's it's, it's uh, all it's it, all, good it's all good. I mean, I mean, you know, another guy that 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 comes to mind when it comes to service um, is uh, Ahud, you know, yeah. in Judges three, and 
you know, I mean, he's not really talked about, he's not really popular too much in the Bible, but um, just seeing his level of service and, and also his level of obedience. And I think that that's really what it comes down to uh, as well. Like, what's our level of obedience, right? And his obedience to hear God, serve God, and go to the king, um, Eglong, and, um, and take him out for the, the release of the Israelites at the time you know, being held captive in 18 years. But the real thing is, is that he was, you know, for, for anyone that's listening, he, you know, this guy was left-handed. And back in those days, you, if you were left-handed, you were considered very rare, um, especially as a warrior. And the reason why is because you can, you, you, people that were left-handed, the slingshot um, you were a real master at versus someone that was right-handed, it, it, um, it really, really helped the advantage when it came to war. And this guy, you know, took something that was very, very unique, or rather God took something that was very unique um, in him. And sometimes God will use something that's very unique in you to get the glory, right? Yeah. It's kind of like my son, Christian, who has Down syndrome, right? It's something that's very, very unique. Um, not everybody has Down syndrome, obviously, right? So it's rare. So, you know, when you think about it, it's like, man, this unique individual is being used in such a way to um inspire the masses and he doesn't even speak full sentences just yet yeah but look how how great of a story that is you know same thing with you know with with ahud you know his his uh his left-handedness his rare his rarity served the purpose for god's glory yeah and you know uh, kenneth is you know sometimes we can fall short in recognizing those things Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I had no idea that when I lost my dad and my wife, it would have the impact not only mm -hmm. just on me, but, you know, the thousands upon people that heard our story as we were going through it, you know, yeah. and Facebook live videos and to see people message me and say, hey, thanks so much for sharing your story. My yeah. husband and I were on the brink of a divorce and we came wow. across your videos or Another one was my son's been addicted to alcohol and drugs and has been set free just by you sharing your faith, you know, yeah. and we just really never know the impact and the magnitude because ultimately we're humans. And what do we do? We think small, not all yeah. the times are we thinking kingdom, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and kingdom is big, kingdom is big. <laughs> you know, it's bigger than we can ever imagine, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you know, when we can sit back, even like with your son, Christian, and say, well, number one, thank you, God, for giving me this amazing soul, you yeah. know, and, you know, just for those that are listening, you know, if you will, we'll share it later about Kenneth's Instagram and stuff like that, how you can follow him, but to watch them to live such an amazing life and smile and, and, and really just encourage other people through their life of worship, through what they do, it's really remarkable. and. You know, ultimately for me on my side of things, it was a tragic thing or not, it wasn't a tragic death, but still losing my wife and dad, it was definitely a different pain point, yeah. you know, but I truly believe that every bit of pain that we go through in life has an intended purpose, but sometimes mm -hmm. we have to sit back and we have to put our selfish desires and hopes and dreams and, and, and all those things that we think that we want versus what we understand what God wants us to have, absolutely. you know, because again, when we think kingdom, then it's, it goes from the mindset of is woe is me versus God, how can you use me? How can you use this? Yeah. You know, and, um, Kenneth go, let's go into a little bit more about your son, if that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. Let's do talk, it. Talk me through this about how just that unshakable mindset that you had as a young kid has poor, has poured into now your legacy with your son. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go back just a tad bit. Um, prior to Christian, my mother uh, was diagnosed with lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And when she was diagnosed with lymphoma, I didn't take it too well. Um, she did defeat it. She is a survivor. She's still here with us to this day. But I think that was um, a... That was a you know, an interlude or, or, or so or intro into how hard this thing can hit yeah. close to someone that you love. 
by the time it got to my son, I was ready for it. You know, mm -hmm. um, this was that was a preparation to wow. where what where, you know, just years later when my son was born, then this happened. So Christian, for those that don't know, he again, he has trisomy 21, which is the proper medical term, um, which basically means that an individual has three copies of the same 21st chromosome gene. Um, normally you get 43 from, I mean, 23 from mom, 23 from dad, as far as chromosomes go, Christian has 47 chromosomes instead of 46. When he was born, he had a rare blood disorder. That blood disorder left him with very, very low platelet counts. For those that don't know what platelets are, it's what clots your blood. Um, so in, in the event that you get a paper cut, all the red blood cells rush to that cut to seal it up so that you don't continuously gush out with blood. Um, and continue to bleed. So with Christian, um, when he was born with such a low platelet count, you know, he was in the NICU for, um, you know, it's about 10 days or so when he was born. And until his platelets actually went up, a couple transfusions, things in that nature helped him out. And he was able to go home uh, with about 53, 54,000 platelets. You know, uh, you know, Joe, me and you, we probably have somewhere around hundreds of thousands of platelets um, in our in our bodies. And Christian only at the time had around 16 or 17,000, which is not a lot, which means if it dropped below 10, then there's a cause for concern. But at that time, um, it was able to go up. And then from there, for the first 14 months of his life, we were in the hospital weekly, um, you know, at least twice, sometimes two, two, uh, three times a week, getting blood work drawn just to keep his, um, just to make sure that monitoring his blood, his blood, making sure everything was okay. Because the doctors had mentioned to us at the time that he could develop leukemia at some point in time in his life. And me, me, me being a believer, you know, I rebuked that right away. I'm like, nah, I'm good. We're not going, we're not going there. And, um, you know, unfortunately it, it, it did happen. Um, it happened 14 months into his life where Christian had developed, uh, leukemia, AMKL. We had started to see these, um, little dots of petechia. Um, on on Christian. I'm not sure if anybody knows what petechia is, but petechia basically means that um, their your blood level is is has dropped, um, and you'll see red dots on the body, um, meaning like it it's getting pretty bad, right? Um, so what we thought was going to be about 45 minutes uh, into the hospital, I was going to take my family to Dave and Buster's because my kids had did well in school that year. Uh, they did awesome. We said, all right, cool. We're going to be in Philly. Let's go to a chop, get a second opinion on what our doctor was telling us. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And Christian seemed okay. Everything looked fine. But when they, when the blood work came back, the blood work has said that we've got to rush your son down to the emergency room right now and uh, do surgery because he uh, has, you know, AMKL, which is leukemia. So we go from 45 minutes into the hospital, you know, to 32 days straight in the hospital, not a bag packed, nothing planned out, nothing. Your life just switched just like that. And anybody that's ever been in that type of situation or any type of situation where life just changed, the question always becomes, what do you do? How do you, how do you react to that? And the first thing I tell uh, people, you know, what, what I did was I removed myself to improve myself. And anybody that's listening, you may want to write that one down, remove yourself to improve yourself, like right? That, brother. <laughs> you know, because sometimes we can get so emotional in the moment that our emotions then starts to affect the people that we are leading. So it is best that you remove yourself from the situation to gather your thoughts, gather yourself to improve yourself, to come back better, stronger, you know, so that your, your people that you're leading understand on what move you're going to make next so that they can follow suit. Me removing myself from the room, I, I'm a big, I, I, listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge football fan, so I, uh, I love the, the position of quarterback. And um, I went to go get the play call from my coach. You know, oftentimes in high school and college, you'll see how the, uh, the play call is, is the quarterback runs back to the coach to the sideline to get the, to get the play and then um, goes and delivers it to, to the huddle, to the, to the team. That's what I what I did. And um, the first thing that God told me to do was pray around Christian, right, before an ounce of chemo even hits his body. 
and set the atmosphere were the key words, right? Set the atmosphere. And I think that a lot of people have to understand on how to set the atmosphere in their business, in their families, within themselves, overall in your life. You yeah. know, uh, Michael, Michael Pitts, Bishop Michael Pitts said this. He said, lyrics affect the mind, rhythm affects the will, and the melody affects the emotions. Mm. Show me what a person is listening to, and I'll show you their lifestyle. And say, say that again. Lyrics. I'm going I'm to I'm say that again. Lyrics affect the mind. Rhythm affects the will. And the melody affects the emotions. Show me what a person is listening to, and I'll show you their lifestyle. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's in this book here called, uh, you know, Power Shifters. Ooh, so go ahead, and, go ahead and pick that book up, Power Shifters by Bishop Michael Pitts. I think it's, you know, super amazing. And, and it's something like that, um, that that held me down in that moment because it matters what you what you put into your body. It matters what you listen to. It matters what you are consuming. And I believe that if I was consuming something other than what God was telling me to consume, then we may have a different outcome on how I was going to react. Wow. Um, and so that was really like the beginning stages of everything. And as the doctors came in, I told them straight up, listen, hey, I don't care if you're a nurse, a doctor, a tech. I don't care if you're tarantula. You come in here, you got to have a positive attitude no matter what. Otherwise, you can't be on this team. I get you're, you're coming in to do your job, but your personal matters and the things that you're upset with have nothing to do with the elevation of my son and how he's going to get through this, okay? Whatever that thing is, we could deal with that later. But as you enter this atmosphere, as you enter this room, you got to have a positive mindset. Otherwise, you'll be removed. And some people did get removed, unfortunately. But, you know, that's how we started it off. And I think that that was a major, major part in my son's recovery. Wow. Let me, let me, couple things, man. One that's extremely powerful talking about the atmosphere. And, and the reason why I want to jump in here and share this part is, yeah. you know, growing up in an abusive family, there was these days that like, it seemed to always be the weekends, right? You know, Saturday, you know, mom and dad's home from work and they're doing their thing. And then of course you got a household of four kids, right? There's no peace yeah. in the house, you know, but, um, I would always realize that any time there was ever any type of fighting, arguing, whatever the case is, I would always go on and I, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I would always go and turn on the radio or even at that time, a tape player. Okay. Showing my age. And it was worship music. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time, but I would notice within 10 minutes or so, give or take a few is the atmosphere. Mm changed. Mm -hmm. And what I came to realize, Kenneth, was this, is that, and you said it, we have the ability to change or even create yes. the atmosphere in which we want to live, sleep, mm -hmm. breathe, work. It doesn't matter. Yes. And I learned that simply by playing worship music because I kept on seeing the transformation. We'd have the arguments, the fighting, the, 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 the hitting, the screaming, whatever the case is. Dad would normally leave sometimes to kind of go cool off, you know, but then I would put on worship music and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I'm like, well, that's the only music that we're allowed to listen to in the house, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Might as well put that on. But it's, it's crazy that you say that, you know, and then kind of going, you know, about, you know, removing people, right. And, and, and you know, setting that tone. I was reading this morning in the book of Job, Job mm. chapter one. Mm. And first it talks about all the things that Job had. Mm -hmm. Okay. And 500 cattle and 500 yoke and, you know, the children, yeah, and, you know, like he was loaded. He was the richest of, it says yeah. of Northern uh, uh, Arabia. Okay. Yep. And then of course it goes into, you know, he was a man after God's own, own heart. He pleased God. You know, and then it went in, of course, to the devil going to and fro and looking. Okay. But what's, what's so crazy is the fact that, you know, it said the devil asked God, does he have a hedge of protection, protection. Yeah. over Job? You right. know, and I'm like, huh. I'm like, I know I've heard this. And yes. what's so crazy is always, especially with kids and school shootings and things like that, 
I, and, and people driving, I always pray, pray a hedge of protection over my children while we're mm-hmm. driving to and from school while they're at school for one, for them themselves, yeah. and then also the entire school as well, mm-hmm. you know, that God would raise up a standard and a hedge of protection yes, over my children. Yes, sir. You know? And ultimately, you know, it's not just so much the fact of, I don't want my children hurt. Of course I don't, but I also don't want things infiltrated into their mind. That's right. That's you right. Know? And you said it about the power of positive thinking, right? And having a positive mindset. A lot of times it's not the physicality that hurts us unless a life is taken, right? Okay. That's right. It's, it's the things that infiltrate our mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what really jumped out at me this morning is that the devil himself had to ask God, do you have a hedge of protection over mm-hmm. Job? Right. You know, so even if the enemy can see those things, mm-hmm. you know, how much more do we have to do in the Come spiritual on. realm of, you know, creating the atmosphere, right? You know, there's no doubt that those people that are out here listening may be in a toxic situation, a yeah. toxic family, a toxic relationship. Maybe your workplace is toxic, but I want to tell you right now, and you know, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness for sounding like I'm preaching because this is my podcast, but yeah. is we have the ability to create the atmosphere in which we yes. want to live, which we want to produce, reproduce, which we want to do and, and, and how we want to live. We also have the ability to be able to protect, mm-hmm. protect ourselves, protect our children, protect yeah. what the world, what the enemy is coming after. And even the devil himself had to ask God has to ask him his permission. Yeah. Yeah. See, the enemy knows you're great before you even know you're great. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. And I think that we oftentimes. We take on these. I'm going to say how I feel it. We we take on these lies. Come right? on. We take on these lies and you you go in to to the world. You wake up, you look in the mirror, and you see the truth. Because the reality is, is that you are created in his image and his likeness. So you see the truth right there in the, in the mirror. The problem is, and James talks about this as well too, right? James chapter one talks about this. We look in the mirror, but then we deceive ourselves from what we actually see, right? We deceive ourselves because we go out into the world and we believe the things that the enemy has already put into his atmosphere. And we believe that, okay, depression is a real thing. Anxiety is a real thing. And, and all these different things that are attacking us where we have control on how to overtake these things, right? I oftentimes say when we change the mind, we change the game, right? So everything is a mindset with me, right? And that's how you have that unbreakable and unshakable mindset is you have to understand who you really are, not who you think you are, not what somebody told you, who are you? Bottom line, hands down, right? And we we oftentimes live these lies and we put on these masks and we go into the world and that is half half of the problem on what's going on. We're living a world and we don't know who we are supposed to be. The one thing that I love about Job is that Job knew exactly who he was, no yeah. matter what. When you want to talk about being unshakable, that was an unshakable man. Even in his time of anger, he still didn't curse God. Now, you could still be angry and upset about the situation, upset about you know the circumstances and what you're facing. However, he was not going to be you know shaken in such a way on what the enemy was trying to uh portray and say god he's going to curse you you just wait and see he's going to curse you and he just didn't and the thing was that god lifted that that hedge of protection because just to sit there and and you know pretty much flex on on the enemy once again that it doesn't matter what you do to him he's not going to curse me i'm telling you right now and the enemy just had a hard time believing that. And the enemy has a hard time believing who we are. And he'll try and do anything and everything to manipulate us and trick us and deceive us into thinking that we're somebody that we're really not. Yeah. So operate in, in your gift. And I think that when it comes to my son Christian, that's exactly what I had to do. 
had to operate in my gift. And I oftentimes say, say this to people, you know, use your gift to make the shift in your life, mm. right? If you use your gift to make the shift. And the Bible says that, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, what exactly is that? It doesn't mean that you got to get on a plane and go see the kingdom of heaven. No, right. what is the thing that is already in you? And Jesus has already said that the kingdom of heaven is in you and the kingdom of heaven is upon you, right? So it's already there. It's already inside you. You were already born with it. The gift that you have was given to you. You didn't earn it. That's a fact, right? And in hip-hop terms, we oftentimes tell people, oh, I'm going to hold it down. I'm going to hold it down. You know, well, I'm reframing that and say, no longer am I holding it down when I was called to be lifting it up. Wow. Right? Come on, brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not doing that no more. No longer am I holding it down because I'm not suppressing my gift anymore. I'm, no. not, I'm not suppressing what it is that I was called to do anymore. I'm now lifting it up. I'm lifting my family up. I'm lifting my wife up. I'm lifting my house up. I'm lifting my business up. I'm lifting up my community. I'm lifting up my church. I'm lifting up, you know, the people that, you know, that need to be lifted up because inside me is that gift. And I'm going to lift that gift up and I'm, I'm bringing that to the feet of Jesus. I'm bringing that to the feet of God as in use this. I'm no longer holding it down like the man in Matthew 25 that only had that one talent and buried the gift, right? Versus the other two that doubled theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, brother. Come on, man. <laughs> it's still right there. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So as you, you know, you find out that Christian has the, the leukemia, you know, yeah. of course, already knowing that he's down syndrome. Correct. Mm -hmm. I knew that already at that time. Mm -hmm. How has things continued to unravel for not only his life, but you guys' life? Because th there's no doubt that I, I believe that power follows passion, right? And you're talking yes. about making room for the gift. The gift will always be challenged yes. by the enemy. Because mm -hmm. he wants to steal it. He wants to right. deceive you of it. How did you continue to walk in? I'm going to call it the unshakable gift because that's the yeah. mindset that you had. How have you been able to continue to walk in that knowing that for the rest of Christian's life, you know, you're going to have the Down syndrome, uh, you know, without the move of God in his life and things like that, or, or the, the healing power of God in his life, you know, how, is he, how have you been able to continue that in the midst of challenges and adversities? And even because you did something with his leukemia that hasn't been done before. No. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. Tell, yeah. Tell so, us. yeah. So, uh, so funny story. Um, remember I said earlier that, you know, sometimes you got to remove yourself to improve yourself. And then some people just can't be a part. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when you have Down syndrome or any type of special need, the state normally provides you with PT, OT, occupational therapy, different things like that. Um, so they provided that for us inside the hospital room. And uh, the musical therapist came inside the hospital room. Now, I'm a dancer for 20 years by trade. Okay. okay? <laughs> so the musical therapist would come in and they say, hey, yeah, you know, we wanted to go ahead and uh, give Christian some, some entertainment, things of that nature, just to get him going. Maybe he could bounce a little bit. And I said, sure, go ahead. Cool. And they ended up using these ukuleles and it was driving me insane, bro. <laughs> like it was driving me crazy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, but PT, y'all got that. OT, y'all got that. Occupational therapy, y'all got that. Music, let me handle that. Let the professional handle the music <laughs> part. Okay. And these, these ukuleles is going to drown my son, not, not make him better. So I ended up telling my wife, I said, babe, go ahead and turn up some James Brown and let's get funky real quick, right? So I start, you know, dancing, start locking, start doing some hip hop with him. And next thing you know, you know, what the doctor said was going to be, uh, he was going to be tired. He was going to be sleepy. He was, I mean, he was going to uh, not want to eat. He was going to be weak. When you have Down syndrome, you have very low muscle tone when you're born. For the first time, just seven days in, after I started dancing with my son, my son stood up by himself. Wow. And he started bouncing and moving and grooving with me. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. My wife recorded it and we ended up posting it online, you know, just to let everybody know like, hey, everything's okay. Everything is good. Keep that atmosphere flowing, you know, in online, offline, whatever. And uh, from there, we started to go viral. Every video we did, 
was an inspiration to so many people that we ended up on, you know, the ABC news, the C CBS, you know, the Australian news, the Italian news, the, the Japanese news, the BBC, Steve Harvey, Ellen, uh, Sierra, you name it. We were all over the, in, the whole entire news circuit everywhere we go. And um, from there, I would dance with Christian every single day. And as I was dancing with him every single day, uh, after round one, which was um, 32 days in a hospital, Christian started to make a remarkable recovery that we were told that each round would be 32 days or more every single time he had to go back in. Now, this next time that we went into the hospital, we were only there for 17 days. That's half the time that we were in the first time. The next time we went in was 16 days. The next time in was 15 days. And the last time in was 14 days. Wow. So Christian defeated cancer within 149 days in less than half the time projected by the doctors. Wow. Anybody that's sitting there tell you like these doc doctors, are, they're saying like, listen, this is like a 300 plus day process to really, really get this thing under control. And in reality, Christian was actually in remission after the first round of chemotherapy. So and how it old was he at this time? 14 months. 14 months. 14 wow. months. Now, here's so the crazy part, though. Let me just tell you this. There's two parts to this. Number one, the type of treatment that he was getting was adult treatment. He's a baby. This is adult treatment because they don't because we don't have um, that many treatments for children here in America. Right. So he was getting an adult medicine um, for his body, which was already pretty intense, right? It was a mild dose, but it was still a lot. Secondly, the, his, his, his uh, extra chromosome, and this is why I say use your gift and make the shift. His extra chromosome gene was actually the thing that helped save his life even more to give him an even bigger chance. Here's why. Joe, if me or you were to have the same exact cancer that Christian had, me and you would have a 30 to 40% survival rate. Because of that extra chromosome gene, it was already linked to that particular cancer. So Christian had an 80 to 90% survival rate because of the extra chromosome gene that was already placed in his body at birth. Wow. Super crazy. Come on, God. So it's already what's in you. You already have it. God already placed it there. And you want to talk about a hedge of protection. That extra gene was a hedge of protection around my son as cancer tried to infiltrate and enter and take his life. Wow. Which God has gotten the glory. Yes. Gotten, not only did he get the glory from you and your wife and, and yeah. your kids, but radio shows, TV shows, news outlets. Yeah. They had yeah. no choice. They had no choice. And, and now we're... You know, I'm a leadership coach and I'm coaching other people, coaching firms, coaching CEOs, um, you know, pol politicians, <laughs> even like I never thought going being a dancer, dancing on stage for 20 years and then transitioning into something like this would, you know, God just blew my mind. You know, I pretty much just traded in my career for my calling. Yeah. Wow. Trading in that career for the calling. Yeah. That's, that's powerful, brother. Yeah. Man, oh man, I, you know, for those that are out there listening, I, I mean, you know, whether you're driving your car and I can't, I can't not reiterate that the pain that we go through in life all has a purpose. And if I can encourage you is just, just know that, just know that you may not understand why at the moment. Okay. There's no doubt that when your son was born and you, you found out that he had down syndrome, that this epiphany came that, oh my God, okay, there's a reason for it, right? Mm -hmm. Even in the midst of the death of my wife, I'm like, all right, God, I know there's a reason. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. You, you know, and I know you're going to, you know, my focus had to be on God because if I shifted my focus on the problem, right, uh, of my wife being diagnosed with cancer, you know, and what's crazy is we didn't even know about the cancer if it wouldn't have been for her becoming pregnant with our third child. Wow. They think that she had had cancer for five to 10 years without ever being even noticed. Wow. Had wow. no, had no mm. clue, but it was because of my son, you know, mm. 
And yeah, there were other things. And of course, you know, losing my wife, I, I would never want that to happen. But the, the, the thing about it is I still don't know the magnitude mm -hmm. that what, how God is going to use mm. that painful situation. Yeah. But it's crazy that like, you know, I, I, I am a firm believer that God will use circumstances mm -hmm. to bring out what we need to be doing. Amen. Because the, the calling of God is irrevocable. That's right. You know, Moses still had a call of God on his life, regardless if he was a stutter or a murderer. That's right. And even though he tried to run at different times, look at, look at Jonah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Jonah's Perfect a prime example. example. Jonah, at the time of being called to Nineveh, was closer to Nineveh than he yeah. was to Tertius, where he went. Yep, absolutely. He ran further away yep. than where he was called to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, but yet <laughs> in the midst of being swallowed by a fish or a whale, whatever that you want to call it. Okay. Right. You know, God still had a plan and a purpose for us. Had a plan and a purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, you, you, you said operate in your gift, use your gift to make this shift, to make right. shift, you know, mm -hmm. the word of God also says your gift will make what room for you. For you. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I truly believe, because I'm living it right now, and even with you being yeah. a 20-year dancer to now, you would have probably never thought that you would have been traveling and speaking on never. leadership. Yeah. You, you know? I was the quietest kid ever. <laughs> you know, but the gift was already in you, brother. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was already in you. And, and that's the crazy thing is I look back at my wife and I'm like, I told her to begin with, and when I watched that video and I understood about the power, the, the purpose through pain, my babe, you're going through this because of, she was never called to speak. That wasn't her gift. Mm. It was mine. Yeah. But yet God used that circumstance to get me out of what I was doing mm -hmm. into what I was called to be doing. That's right. You know, mm. so if I can encourage those that are listening is going back to what Kenneth said is use your gift to make a shift. Mm -hmm. Use what you're passionate about. Yes, right. Use because you want to find your purpose in life. Follow your passion. Follow the passion. Follow the gift. Mm -hmm. Because the, the gift yeah. makes room for you. That's yeah. biblical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even this. What's the thing that upsets you the most? Right. Sometimes the thing that upsets you the most is the one thing that you're you're called to help fix. To change. Right. To oh. change. And for me, it was like you know I don't. I look at leadership, you know, a lot. I think that there's leadership, you know, bad leadership around in our country in a bunch of different facets, right? So change doesn't start in the White House. Change starts in my house. Yeah. So therefore, if I want better leadership, then therefore build better leaders, right? And that starts with the sons that I already have. It starts mm -hmm. with the daughter that I already have. It starts with, it starts there, right? I'm not going to go to, um, you know, the executive of Amazon and everything say, Hey, you need to change your leadership. No, I'm going to build new leaders because then things will start to change in time. Nothing is going to really change right now necessarily, because guess what? Some people are just set in their ways. Yeah. But, and, and that just brings up an interesting point, even with, you know, uh, with Jesus and the disciples. And I'm not sure if anybody really understands this or knows this, but even the disciples were young men. Like they weren't like, you know, these old guys, you know, that you see on a lot of these shows, they were really young guys. They, we're talking about, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And just to back that up, um, you know, there was a point in time in life where, uh, you know, Peter was asked, do you and Jesus pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yeah, of course we pay the temple tax. Peter, then I'm paraphrasing, but Peter then goes to Jesus and say, well, the Pharisees want to know if we pay the temple tax. And you know, you know, Jesus is like, well, why would I really need to pay the temple tax? But for you, Peter, go to the lake. There'll be a fish inside the fish. There'll be a pearl. Right. Bring that back and pay the temple tax for you and for me. He said nothing about the other disciples that were using the temple as well, too. Why is that? Because at that time, the law was if you were 20 and under, you didn't have to pay the temple tax. Mm. Anyone that was 20 and that was over 21 had to pay the temple tax. Peter was the only one that was the same age as Jesus because he was the only one that had a wife as well, too. 
Yeah. So you you really want to talk about, you know, starting starting young when Jesus changed the world with a youth group. <laughs> you know, when you really yeah. think about it. <laughs> he sure did. You know what I'm saying? So that that, you know, and 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 just for me, I, I just think that you know, in my story, my wife and, and our children, it was really, it's really about, I love leadership. So yeah. for those that are looking to um, find your passion and find a thing that you really, really want to go after, it's either A, the one thing that bothers you the most, and I would say go after it, or B, what are you really, really passionate about? What do you love the most? What, what, what will keep you from eating is what you're probably passionate about. What keeps if you, you can go. Yeah, if you can go without food, then that's the thing that you need to be doing. And the second that you you can just give it up at any point in time, then maybe that's not not your calling. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, stuff, brother. Yeah. Brother, how how are things now with with Christian? Yeah. How how is he at the moment? Christian is awesome. He is running the house. We are in the so he's five. He's, okay. he's going to be six in a few months. He'll be six, and um, it's just amazing to see where he's at now. Um, and we're you know with, with Down syndrome, it's it's a little different than than um, than raising uh, you know your other kids yeah. because Christian uh, he, he verbally he's not all the way there just yet he can speak he could tell me what he wants if he wants to eat if he wants to go outside if he wants to get down um he's learning new words and stuff like that so his speech is not all the way there where he, we can have full-blown conversations like me and you are however he does understand me fully um he just can't get that out just yet um we're in a potty training phase as well too still so um that's been quite the difficult task with uh raising a, a, a son with with down syndrome that normally my kids are potty trained you know by uh two or three years old right. but christian is taking just a quite a bit longer yeah. um with that but other than that man he is he's dancing every day he's um learning every day he is like just a ray of light and ray of sunshine in our home and in our family I think that the the most special thing about him is that when things get rough, when things get tough, where he sees mom maybe having a bad day or he sees dad having a bad day, he can sense it so well that he'll come and he'll just love on you and give you give you that love and give you that compassion. And he's very empathetic um, in, in his walk. And he doesn't even have to say anything. Like even people just may look sad in public he will literally like, you know, rub their face or, you know, oh. give them a pat on the back or something like that. And just say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Without even using his words, just his actions. Mm. So it, it's, it's amazing to see. He's changing and, his atmosphere. Yes. And, uh, I think that the one thing that I've learned the most about, uh, having Christian and being his father and raising him, it's seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Mm, and that's a John Maxwell quote. Yeah. But that that right there really, really, re, you know, stuck out to me. Seeking to understand before seeking to be understood. Because I could sit there and say, well, Christian, you, you know, you have Down syndrome, so you need to try and understand me. No, yeah. I need to understand him. I need to understand his language. I need to understand how he thinks and how he moves, you know, versus... Uh, him trying to understand me. And I think that that's one lesson that we all can take is in any relationship that you're in, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, brother. That yes, is. absolutely. So I know that you do some, I've, I've seen some videos of you dancing with your daughter. Yeah. Do, do you, do you put stuff up there with Christian as well? All the time. He okay. has more. Yeah. He has the most dance videos, me and him. Yeah. Uh, but you choreograph stuff with your with your daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Are, are they they're not are they choreographed with Christian? Do you still choreograph now, things? Yeah, I I, chore I try to choreograph for his memory. Yeah. It doesn't really work out like right. that too well. So it's it's a bit of a struggle. So normally we just freestyle. But gotcha. um but he he's got up down lock. He's got that 
He's got that. He's got the funky chicken down. Uh, so he's got a couple of things, a couple moves that we could do uh, together. That's, that's awesome. The first time I saw you and your daughter, I'm like, man, I wonder if I could do that with my daughter. I'm like, yeah, yeah she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't let me. <laughs> she, wouldn't, she wouldn't let you. <laughs> she wouldn't even do it. She doesn't think I have rhythm, you know? Oh, man. And, uh, you know, uh, which I, I, I got a little bit, you, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, God does have make a joyful noise, so I'm better at making the noise than I am that's the rhythm. But, but but I, I can still do it. But she doesn't think, you know, this day and age, she's 15 or soon to be 15. She don't think I know anything, you know? So oh, yeah, of course. I purposely mess something up just so I just keep on believing her that, or she believes that I don't have Absolutely. it, you know? Yeah, so, of course. But, um, brother, you have a coaching program. Yes. You, you travel and you speak on leadership and you coach people. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can connect with you. Yeah, so we um we just launched the Unshakable Coaching uh, platform on my website, which is uh, at kennethallenthomas.com. Um, right now we are, it's in a few phases. The first phase is the unshakable self-care blueprint. There'll be an ebook that's going to be dropping this month. Um, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, next month, there'll be an ebook that's going to be dropping next month on that. So if you want to pre-order it, the pre-orders will start, um, on the 17th of January, you can go ahead and pre-order the, the, the blueprint to that. Um, that'll also be linked to a online course that we have, uh, which is the Unshakable Self-Care Blueprint course. It'll be an online course that we have geared up for you guys. And um, that that right there, which is, you know, simply evergreen. If people want to, you know, jump in I'll, within that course, I'll be teaching once a week and um, doing Q&As in our private groups. Um, things in that nature and connecting with the community and you guys will get access to me, uh, have any questions that I can answer um, as far as your self-care goes. Here's the stat that I want to give you about the self-care thing. You know, here in America, uh, about 78 to 80 percent of just women alone believe in self-care. But that seven that that same uh, 78 to 80 percent of women uh, serve 10 hours a day, you know, to everyone else other than themselves. Right, which is a crazy stat. You believe in self-care, but you serve everybody else 10 hours a day before you even serve yourself. I believe in the whole, uh, uh, you, you know how it goes. Uh, when you're on the plane, put your mask on first before you help someone else. Yeah. I truly believe in that because we got to take care of the temple that we have. Um, one of the exercises that you guys will see, if you go on my website, there'll be a landing page there as well, too. Uh, you'll be able to see one of the teachings that I have. Uh, and on those teachings, it is the uh, well-being tracker. That well-being tracker helps you understand where you're at right now in your well-being, okay? We, we'll take five words from work, spouse, friends, and family. Um, you, and then we'll also take your, we'll, we'll take these words here and then we'll put them all together, okay? And then you'll, you'll rank those things, you know, work, spouse, friends and family, um, and, and, and get, and you'll work them things from top to bottom and rank them, you know, in your life. Kids as well, too, of course, is one of them. And as you rank those, you know, what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, what comes fourth and self is, is the fifth one. You'll throw that in there. Where do you rank those five words or those five categories, your spouse, yourself, your family and friends, your work and you, where do you, where do you rank those at currently? And then you'll go to ideally, how will they look? What do you want them to look like? Do you want to put yourself first? Most people, I'm being honest, if they were to take this quiz, they would take this test, they put themselves third or fourth, maybe even fifth on the list. And the okay. question that I would have is if you put yourself last on the list, God forbid something happens to you, who's going to catch you? If you're pushing everybody else forward, how, what happens to you? So it's, you know, my recommendation to, you know, always put yourself first, always put yourself in and not, not being in the selfish sense, but making sure that you take care of your own well-being, because the better you are, the better world we have at the end of the day. And I believe that if we um, take care of our mind, take care of our spirit, take care of our bodies and be appreciative of those things, watch how the world can shift, watch how your world can shift, watch how things can shift in, in, in inside of, you know, just one day. Right. We can do that. So yeah, so that is the 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 gist of part of the uh, the unshakable self care blueprint, and then we also have some one on one coaching that um, that we do. And if anyone wants to bring me out for a keynote 
or anything in that nature. That's also on the website. As soon as you go on there, there'll be a small form to fill out. And those will be your three options, one-on-one -on -one training, online courses, or keynote speaking. You can pick from those three on how I could serve you best. Wow, love it, brother. And his website, guys, is KennethAllenThomas.com. Is that right? That's right. Com? Okay. Yes, sir. So you guys don't hesitate to reach out to him. Uh, he's got an amazing, you, you know, if he lives his life transparent on, on Instagram, definitely on Very. Instagram. <laughs> and uh, so he's a uh, phenomenal uh, individual and I've been following him for a while. And that's why I wanted to bring his value um, to you guys. So Guys, don't hesitate to reach out to him. And Kenneth, thank you so much. I'm truly honored, brother, that you would come on here and just give us some profound wisdom on how to yes. live that unshakable life, brother. I greatly appreciate you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, man. Everyone, thank you so much. Remember, when we change the mind, we change the game.